Peace and blessings, peace and blessings. Welcome to the Right Authority Podcast. I am your host, Carlos Carr Sr., also known as the KCOG. I'm building an intelligent agenda to move African and indigenous people living in the United States of America to empower themselves and their communities. Again, to empower themselves and their communities. Our goal is to dismantle white supremacy. Until one understands white supremacy, what it is and how it works, anything and everything else that you understand will confuse you. And that was a quote by Neely Fuller Jr. Beautiful day here in Kansas City right now, 62 degrees and clear. Of course, as I'm recording this, we have gone into the p.m. hours. The sun is down. Our topic for today is going to be, well, let's just say it's about being a little frustrated with Black America. And before I get into this, I want to go ahead and introduce, because uh, this is going to be my official OG Minute. So uh, we're going to go ahead and introduce that, and I'll be right on back to you. It's time for an OG Minute. Again, uh, this OG Minute is entitled Frustrated with Black America. I was listening to um, one of my favorite morning programs. I mix what I like with uh, Dr. Jared Ball. And I heard something on on the broadcast that struck me, that struck some emotions within me, I might say. My first thought was I was angry at the information that I had just heard. But going about my day and watching my behavior, I realized I wasn't angry. I was frustrated. Frustrated with our lives here in the United States of America. Now that I have figured out my emotional state of mind and what was bothering me was the news that Daroba Ben Wahad no longer wanted to speak publicly because he feels that today's youth, and I think he's saying that multi-generational, but the young generation really isn't prepare to hear his political analysis. Nor have they have the moral responsibility and understanding of why and who needs to change this system. Ben Wahab comes from a very strong revolutionary base background. 
uh, being with the Black Panther Party and the Black Liberation Army. Uh, as well, he, he was one of our political prisoners. He was locked down for 19 years. Uh, he was fortunate enough to get free and win a lawsuit against the FBI and the city of New York, which he used to establish the campaign to free black and new African political prisoners. And he founded the Institute of Development of Pan-African Policy in Ghana. Now, you, you gotta admit, this is a pretty accomplished brother. And the amazing thing is, he could have just taken the 800 grand that he got in the settlement and went and lived his life and not even care about the rest of what's going on with black folks. But as you can see, this man set up two organizations with his money. Now, again, this man is of great stature. His life experiences, his wisdom, and he's saying that he no longer wants to talk because he knows that the audiences that he are that he would be speaking to are not prepared to hear what he has to say when it comes to our freedom and revolution. Now, don't y'all go all off on the deep end. Revolution doesn't mean anything but change. Okay? Although Dr. Ball stated that the, he disagreed and he did not state, but he did not state that Brother Deruba was wrong. Hearing that news frustrated me because I knew instantly, as soon as I heard it, I knew I was hearing truth. I want y'all to listen for yourself. All right, everybody, thanks for sticking with us here as we uh, go a little bit uh, um, longer than usual uh, here at I Mix What I Like live on Black Power Media. Please do take a moment if you haven't already and hit that join, like, share, or subscribe button. Uh, click the bell so you're not missing any of uh, our latest uh, that comes almost uh, faster than I can even keep up with. Um, uh, and there's so much more coming. So, so uh, again, and I will, before we leave this morning, uh, and even uh, certainly sub after, you know, later, uh, come back and check some of the comments in the chat and try to respond to some of it. Um, and uh, of course, we can always do more on this as well. Uh, okay, so the other day, uh, I believe, I think this was on the Remix Morning Show. We talked about, and we played the clip. Yeah, it was on the Remix Morning Show, right? Because we played the clip from Fred Hampton Jr. talking about why he didn't like uh, Fred Hampton leftists and others claiming the name of Fred Hampton um, and uh, you know doing so without not only permission, but without the politics uh, and, and that you, you know, uh, uh, solidarity of struggle. Um, 
And I, and I, my only two cents on that was that I appreciated Fred Jr. for saying that. I have felt a similar way. I, I, I feel a kind of way about people claiming certain names and references without um, particularly recognizing or adhering to or even agreeing with the radical politics uh, involved with those references. Uh, Daruba sent me a message, of course, Daruba bin Wahad, interviewed on this platform many times uh, and, and uh, looking forward to many more, uh, co-founder of the, the, the or, or member of the BLA, member of the Black Panther Party, uh, political prisoner, uh, my favorite philosopher and political analyst. Uh, but he wrote back and he wrote, uh, he sent me something and he, you know, critical of, of today's generation. And I invited him on to, to talk about it. Uh, and he said, no. And he said, read the following instead. So I will. So quote, first, let me say, I am. I am too heartbroken, ashamed, embarrassed, and humiliated in the wake of recent events to speak publicly again on live formats. I am so disappointed in this generation that I would feel foolish and crazy if I did any interview of Zoom meeting or Zoom meeting because I, I'm, I, know deep, I know now deep in my heart that I am living among a callous and venal generation with little integrity, dignity, or sense of their place in this world. So no, I am not willing to come on the air and express myself on the issue of branding or its related issues. However, I trust that you would announce my response to your invitation uh, as follows. Uh, in response to your invitation to talk about the branding of revolutionaries and the historical notoriety of organizations like the BPP or BLA, I am unwilling to talk publicly, not because I have nothing to say, but because I believe that whatever I say would be an exercise in futility. Here is why. I am absolutely ashamed of being in this country uh, amidst a generation of Black people who are cowards and who have cowered in the face of unspeakable dehumanization and disregard by the white supremacist capitalist construct that is white America. I am deeply ashamed and unable to hold my head high as a black person while surrounded by a venal, self-centered and arrogant generation of black people who have systematically placed micro oppression of small segments within the black community above the macro oppression of an entire people and think that somehow that, that, that think somehow that's correct and laudable. I am heartbroken that opportunists, charlatans, and messianic leaders have persuaded the masses of Black people that we can liberate and empower ourselves with leadership by victimhood and who have co convinced Black people that only, convinced Black people only they possess the power of prayer and must follower movements and must follow movements ideologically led by victimhood rather than revolutionary abolitionist politics and organization. Admittedly, I am sad and despondent that some of, of the best years of my youth were wasted and served little useful purpose, purposes other than to inculcate in another generation of black youth the feeble-minded notion that white America would deliver justice for black people without their knowledge of certain retribution or that social and political equality can be achieved absent an equal distribution of the pain and anguish we as people must live with and endure every day. In other words, in the real world, there is no justice without retribution and no social and political equality without equal distribution of the pain. 
I mistakenly thought that by embracing the warrior and radical spirit of my ancestors who rose up against the people, system, and hateful mentality that murdered us, kidnapped us from Mother Africa, dehumanized us at every turn, and diabolic diabolically instilled in each generation of Black people fear and terror of, of racist violence and inevitable annihilation until we could only imagine resistance to racist tyranny with their permission and assert our humanity and power on their terms and under their benevolence. In short, the white supremacist construct that began as a European settler state that devolved into terms that under their benevolent... In short, the white supremacist construct that began as a European settler state devolved into terms and under their benevolence. In short, the white supremacist construct... Okay, hold on a second. This is my fault. Hold on. In short, the white supremacist construct that began as a European settler state and devolved into the capitalist nation state today has convinced black people, African people, that we cannot win our freedom, our own freedom and the dignity as a sovereign people without selling our souls to servicing white privilege, greed and wealth to achieve the placebo of second class citizenship. It is in this deeply bitter shame that washes over me as I watch our enemies, the very enemies of the sun that nourishes brown and black melanin of our skin, arrogantly define their justice for our pain, while our children beg to advise them that, quote, black lives matter, rather than impose on our enemy that black liberation matters. I therefore decline to speak, talk, or otherwise whistle in the wind on media platforms until such a time as this generation finds its destiny, live up to it, or further betray it. If this generation looks for me in the whirlwind, I will come. Wade in the water and woe to those who cannot swim. End quote. I do think, I do thank Dr. Ball for bringing that analysis forward. Um, I believe it is very, very necessary at this point to uh, have that analysis from uh, have that message delivered from uh, Dr. Ball um, since he does have a relationship with uh, Daroba. It makes sense that uh, it comes from someone that is close to the source. I do agree with Daroba and Dr. Ball, which is part of the reason I am frustrated. I understand Daroba's point He's tired of talking to empty hopes and faces that are not understanding the plan for action to get organized. Malcolm once said, if you do not understand what a revolution is, take that word out of your vocabulary. You must understand revolution and you must understand revolution, and it all starts with revolution of the mind. If you did not study any of the revolutionary parties that took place in the 50s, 60s, and 70s, you will understand, or if you did study, you will understand that these brothers were working from a much higher calling. They really wanted to free the people and free the land. They educated themselves with Fanon, Mao, Lenin, Marx, Garvey, King, Malcolm, Mandela, Amilcar, Lumumba, Tory, Castro, uh, Quivera, Kenyatta, 
and others. You might say these brothers were working from the spirit of our ancestors to destroy the system that profits on people. So, I understand where the brother is coming from. Um, Neely Fuller Jr. said it best. Black folks ain't even trying to get free. And that's real. That's very real. Black folks are divided on every level, on everything. My point is most black folk fit into the group or the categories that really stop us from uniting. Part of black Amer America is finding their place and success in capitalism and see no reason to destroy. Another group depends on capitalism to feed and house and close their family. But the biggest divider in our community is religion. Then you have a group that really do not care about anything other than their own survival. That's the bottom run of the group. I will look at each one of these groups uh, independently. We're going to start off with what I call the black elite. The black elite is living under a false narrative that they are free, which today is totally delusional. I believe most black believe we are free because of the freedom we have with money and the freedom to spend and consume. See, that's the problem with our society right now, especially those of African descent. We have bought into this thing that money makes your status. And if you believe that, then you have bought into the part of the capitalist class system that oppresses us across the world. You see, if you believe that your status is based off of your bank account, home, car, clothes, or vacations, black folks in general may be well off, but we're not wealthy. Then you're, suppo you're supporting the class structure that supports white supremacy's capital class system and that's caste system, I'm sorry. This is also the most educated and successful black folks among us. That is the black elite. Then we have the fraternities, the sororities, the secret organizations, the masons, uh, boule, and whatever else is out there. I call them the gatekeepers. They're the gatekeepers. See, secret organization, what the hell is up? Why and what is the big secret? 
Why can't your organization propose and plans, uh, purpose and plans be, uh, be public? I don't understand that. If there is a formula for success in these organizations, why not make them available to all? Why is it a secret? Please do not misunderstand me. I know the history and I understand why these organizations are needed because, are you ready for it? White organizations would not allow you entry into their organization. So uh, instead of creating something that comes from your history and culture, you imitate your oppression. That's right, you imitate your oppressor. You do know imitation is the greatest form of flattery. Connected to these secret organizations are our most educated and most successful uh, people in business, healthcare, education, the judicial, judicial legal system, arts, politics, on all levels, from local to Congress. Yet we have the worst health care, the worst living condition, the worst wealth gap, the worst mort mortality rates, the most incarcerated, the most dying by police and the judicial system, and the most discriminated against. So if you hold the secrets to success, secret organizations, if you hold the secrets to success, our communities are in desperate need of solutions so we can come out of, can you come out of these secret places and reveal yourself to the masses of black folk so that we can use your secrets? Again, I can see why Brother DeRuba would not have a lot to say to this class of, uh, of the society as well, because when you look at this group, they're willing to hold the status quo. They are not willing to do anything to change the system because they don't feel the weight of the system because their income removes that weight. They too are, den are delusional. They're delusional because of their bank account. I put this group together with the black elite because most of the people I have met included involved in secret organizations, fraternities, sororities, and Masonic groups, both male and, and female. They're also the most educated and successful black folks. Uh, directly under our black elite. Now I'm gonna deal with our biggest divide, religion. You see, uh, some pastors use the excuse that uh, 
their 501c3 restricts their political involvement. But it's funny how I've seen some ministers in North Carolina and Georgia, one that's in the Senate right now that's been fighting uh, for political power. Uh, I'm confused. Now, I'm not putting down anything or anyone. Uh, We cannot unite until we do as Malcolm suggests, put our religion in the closet and come out ready to solve our problems. We do not have the time to argue about religion. We don't have the time. Whatever you are, is your Islam, Christian, you know, Hebrew, Jew, whatever you are, use your faith as your guide in the decisions and as a shield in battle. Now, I hope y'all got that. Use your faith as your guide in your decisions and as a shield in battle. Generally, but Someone from the elite or secret society category um, let me just back that up. How many people know that the Old Testament is about African people? The one book we do not teach in black churches is the Old Testament and it is about African people. Now, Carlos, why did I say that? My proof is Egypt was in power in the Old Testament. Where is Egypt? Yeah, Africa. If you go to a map and you overlook the Suez Canal that separates what they call Africa from the start of the Middle East, that's actually that that Palencia that is uh, uh, cut off by the Suez Canal was part of Africa. Hmm. Now let's go to your Old Testament where God tells you where the Garden of Eden is located. He gave you three rivers. Right? The Gisan, the Euphrates, and the Tigris. 
Those are the three rivers, he said, that came together in the Garden of Eden, if you know your Bible. Old Testament. Okay. Go to the map and you can find two of those three rivers. You can find them going through Iraq. Go to a map and look. You will see the two rivers. As I said, prior to the Suez Canal, that peninsula that they start to call the Middle East or the uh, Saudi, uh, uh, Saudi Arabia, was all part of Africa. It was an extension of Africa. So a people who will not even recognize their own history when it's being told right in front of them. And I won't go into all the other, other stuff in the Old Testament, but I do recommend that you go find uh, the book. Uh, I believe the t correct title of the books is Blacks in the, uh, in the Bible. Blacks in the Bible. The book is still available. Go check it out. You'll be surprised of the number of black people that show up in the Old Testament. Because as I said, in the Old Testament, the seat of power was Egypt. Now I'm gonna blow y'all's mind, I'm gonna leave it alone. The seat of power changes in the New Testament. Now the seat of power in the New Testament is Rome. Y'all figure it out from there. But that's our biggest divider. <clears throat> Working man and woman. We're going to get this in real quick. This is the group that I was a part of prior to my retirement. This group is just trying to make it from day to day, raise his family and make ends meet. The working man, woman, is too busy with life to take the time to understand he's still a slave to capitalism and consumerism. Generally, the biggest problem with this group, the working man and woman because becomes their job. Let me back that up again. Generally, the biggest problem with the working man and woman is that generally they become their job. No matter what the area of employment, they become their job. The goal is to retire with benefits and not seek Freedom, real freedom. See, we don't understand that we don't control our labor. 
the cost of our labor. We don't control that when we work a job. I best heard it as renting out your time. Working a job is like renting out your time. Give you another thing. In your Bible, in the Old Testament, Job is spelled J-O-B. me get on that's the working man and woman generally these people are, are, are just too busy to do anything other than vote that's what they got time for because they're too busy with their families with their spouse uh, with their jobs with their career they're too busy now I'm not making any excuses Because later on, I'll show you the one common factor that all these groups is missing, okay? Sad thing about it, the working man and woman can no longer depend on union jobs to provide living wages and benefits. We lost too many of those manufacturing jobs to NAFTA. Y'all remember NAFTA, don't you? That's the North American Free Trade Agreement. You see, the corporate masters saw the value of cheap labor, as always. And with the NAFTA agreement, they were able to move a lot of the manufacturing jobs down to Mexico and Central America. Look at your tiles or your, your shirts and you see it's made in Honduras. Huh? My point is, and, and the only excuse that I give because I said I was a part of this group myself when I was in the workforce, and I still took the time to get involved in community involved, uh, in, in community groups, community organizing, and celebrating our culture. I have uh, been involved with that now for over, over 30 years. So, there's no excuse, I'm just saying. But I'm, again, I will give you the common denominator in all of this in a few minutes. Um, final wrap up on the working man and woman, they're just too tired to fight the system and work the system. The next one I'm gonna get to is the nigga factor. Now, I don't like using the word nigger, no matter what KRS-One says. I think it's derogatory because of the way it was used in this country. 
And I think we should keep first and foremost the fact that that term was used in that way by the white supremacist slave masters. And I have no respect for that word whatsoever. But you cannot deny we have a nigga machine that's producing low-level intelligence uh, keeping poor people poor in their communities uh, not being able to improve the properties that they, they own or buy property these are the brothers that kind of brothers and sisters that's just kind of said, look, you know, I done peeped all this game with y'all going to school and going to work and all that. And uh, I got a better idea. Now, most of the time, the nigga factory starts off with uh, the public school system. And as the public school system starts to fail them, they get uh, less and less injured interested in real education of any kind. So they turn to uh, the streets, you might say, um, and other things. Uh, another thing, they generally lack both parents in the home, so they don't have that balance of mother, father. Very important. They're generally raised by the TV, music, PlayStation, their peers, social media, porn, and the streets. The nigger factory uh, forms these youth into our modern day criminals, drug dealers, prostitutes, stick up artists, carjackers, and other immoral behavior. Now, I'm not putting these people down. I'm recognizing where they're at. That's what I'm doing. They take to the underground economy because uh, the examples in front of them, and they generally lack the educated and social skills for employment. So the example in front of them is the underground economy. This group is hard to reach because they do not respect the system or anything dealing with learning, self-improvement, or understanding group community dynamics. They're not interested. What they're interested in is getting money. Hoes and bitches. But it's not this group is it's not that this group is dumb or stupid. They have been schooled, but not educated, and home life is broken. Generally, again, no mom or dad bad nutrition and diet, materialistic because they cannot afford to keep up with the latest fashions. This group, as Neely Fuller Jr. describes, hates themselves and everything that looks like them. This group has street smarts. They know how to negotiate the underground economy for survival. 
So they're not dumb. This group, as Nelly Fuller Jr. describes, hate themselves and anything that looks like themselves. This group has street smarts. They know how to negotiate the underground economy for survival. So they are intelligent enough to create a payday for themselves, but not disciplined enough to build a legitimate business. Last, I have the Black Power Resurgence. I must include this group that it is still alive and maybe growing right now. And I'm seeing more people under 40 years of age taking some leadership position in organizations with what I call the Black Radical Left Tradition. Uh, Black Panther Party, Black United Front, Malcolm X Memorial Foundation. But compared to the masses, this group is small. There is a way for us to work together and solve problems, especially now, to unify. Now, before I get into all this, I told you I was going to tell you the one thing that was the commonality in all groups. With the nigga factory is the fact that at an early age, they get disinterested in the schooling that they do get. At some point, they just fade out or they might even actually graduate. I have no intention of going on to any uh, secondary uh, uh, post-secondary education, you know. Uh, So education is part of the problem here or not enough education and not the proper education which i can say for all groups including the working man generally you find some of them that are educated at least with bachelor degrees um with the uh, gatekeepers the fraternities, sororities, and masons, they are all well-educated. The black athlete, uh, some of them, of course, being entertainers and sports athletes and things like that, where they are exposed to education, uh, but their careers is where they really make their money, so that's what makes them who they are as far as the black elite. So, not having the proper education to understand that the education you are receiving currently does nothing more than prepare you to work a job on whatever level. Whether it's you dropped out at high school, you know you're going to work low-level jobs. Probably end up working for Amazon or Walmart. If you are got some college, uh, chances are you'll be able to sneak your way into some a little bit better employment. Might even rise through the ranks uh, to become supervisor. Uh, if you are college educated, trust me, what you went to school for was for whatever job you were planning to do after you got out of school. 
That is the way we are educated here in the United States. And um, I tell you what, let's just hear Brother Amos Wilson tell y'all what's up. In awakening the natural genius of black children, that the main purpose of education is not preparing black children for jobs. It is not preparing them to work for white folk. That is not the main purpose of the education of our children or our people. For if that is our main purpose, then it means another constant has remained in the world. And that's the constant of slavery under a different name. Now it's called looking for a job. With the same people having the jobs and the same people determining our wages. If you're talking about true change in the world, then you must educate yourself to create your own jobs and to employ yourself. But today, education for blacks, I don't care how high it is, is essentially still being defined in terms of servitude. And we think when we are educated in terms of how and where we will be employed by Europeans. That has to change. But the education of black people from 1619 right to this very moment has had this as a central tenet. Training black folk to serve white folks' interests. Training white folk to be as productive as possible for Europeans, with the Europeans owning the means of production. Education that was separate and unequal. And believe me, I'm not an advocate of integrated education. <laughs> education that was ultimately and is ultimately degrading to black people has not changed. It was that way from the beginning, and it's that way right now. Education that ultimately insults the history and culture of African people. Education that is Eurocentric, meaning an education that prepares black people to maintain European power as the central power in the world. Education of black people according to the white man's estimation of black intelligence and his need to shape and direct it. I've warned you before that you need to change the definition of intelligence before you get into an argument with Europeans as to whether their tests are measuring intelligence or not. You must ask, what is the political function of your definition of intelligence? What is the political economy of your definition of intelligence? And why is it that the way you define intelligence always ends up that means intelligent people work for you and your interests? So consequently then, we must recognize as an African people that the ultimate goal of intelligence must be that of preparing a people to solve their problems. The way intelligence is defined today and in America is such that if we as African people are said to behave intelligently, 
we are behaving in ways to perpetuate our oppression and to maintain European power over us. And therefore, it becomes important to the European to define what intelligence is and to define how it is measured. And for us to engage in futile arguments as to whether it's caused by cultural differences or genetic differences, when it really is not even the point. According to Henry Allen Bullock, author of A History of Negro Education in the South from 1619 to the present, in the beginning there was no thought of educating Negroes. Yet the necessity to do so was always present. You see, ultimately the white man is faced with the dilemma. In his heart and way, he would not like to educate us. But the very structure and demands and dynamics of his economic system, in a way, forces him to do so. And so even though he had no intentions, and you can see in the history books some, uh, some overt statements about not educating blacks. And of course, if you read the history of uh, Frederick Douglass, you saw the issue there of the slave master and his reading uh, abilities, what kind of problems they created. But in a sense, the white man's education of the African man under white supremacy has been very ambivalent, both intentional and non-intentional. Bullock goes on to say that soon after the establishment of the slave regime in the American South, there was set in motion unintentional processes in, uh, destined to introduce the first of many educational opportunities that Negroes were to have prior to the Civil War. Because we must recognize that the plantation system and the slave system was what we call a rational system in the sense that it was an organized economic system and operated according to definite goals and intentions. And another expression of rational business practice in terms of the slave system of the South appeared in the attempts of planters to utilize their labor efficiently, you see. So if you've got an economic system, whether that system is called slavery or not, ultimately you want to make it function efficiently to get the greatest bang for the buck. A complex system of division of slave labor was instituted on every plantation and all of this was done in pursuit of maximum production per unit of slave labor. If you would read the magazines during this period, you will see great discussions as to how to maximize uh, production on the plantation, how to relate to the slaves how to train them and how to, to motivate them so as to maximize profit. Yes. Yes, to maximize profit. That is the purpose of your education is to maximize profit for your white supremacist corporate slave master. 
hard for us to get that concept and understand that concept. For whatever reason, we just don't get it. We need to listen to our ancestors. They are laying the blueprints down for you. They're leaving the roadmap that we need to move on to the next level. Give you an idea of what I'm talking about here. I was, uh, had the pleasure of uh, seeing a couple of movies on YouTube. Um, One is um, black folks buying 400 acres of land and planning their own community, hoping to get 100 families to come out and live on the land. Now, this program, I believe, is sponsored through the Nation of Islam. But uh, you can check YouTube. Uh, I'll get you that information here in just a second. The other one is what's going on up in Idaho. Here we go. The YouTube video is buying land, black people building a community community with 400 acres plus, they call it hereafter farm. Again, the video, buying black, uh, buying land, I'm sorry. Let's do this all over again. Buying land, black people building a community with unity on 400 plus acres, therefore called Hereafter Farms. Check that video out see some black folks who are truly revolutionary in their thinking. If you build and if you own and build your own community, that means you make the laws for that community. That means you provide the policing for that community. That means that you are in control of that community all the way through so this is what i'm talking about when you're looking at what are the options for uh african and indigenous people this is it and this is a sign of unity 100 families going in on this land that's a sign of unity 
another movie you need to check out so you can see what's happening on the other side of the tracks. Inside the American Redoubt. Trump voters build a new state. That is also available on YouTube. Again, Inside the American Redoubt. Trump voters build a new state. It is a uh, Times documentary. Also check out this one. Southern Discomfort on YouTube. Uh, you get an idea where the attitudes of, of uh, Trump supporters in particularly, uh, where these attitudes, uh, why would these attitudes are in place and you can see that their intent is they have no desire whatsoever to change what they want. None. That's why you got the redoubt going on up in Omaha, um, I'm sorry, Idaho, Montana, uh, Eastern Oregon, Eastern uh, Washington, the redoubt. That's why these things are going on. Just to give y'all a heads up on what's happening out there, okay? So um, we're going to move on and wrap this up. I'm sorry we went a, little, a lot longer than I planned to do on the podcast. We're approaching one hour. But before we get out of here, let's clean some things up and uh, give you a little what's going on. The National Black United Front Kansas City has announced their annual Kwanzaa program December 26th to December 31st at the Gym Theater, 1615 East 18th Street, Kansas City, Missouri. The last day of Kwanzaa on January 1st will be held at the Nefertiti Ballroom 1314 Quindera Boulevard, Kansas City, Kansas. For more information on the Kwanzaa programs, go to facebook.com slash mbuffkc. That is N like Nancy, B like boy, U like Utah, F like Frank, K like Kansas, C like city. Check it out. Last but not at not least, uh, I support uh, several organizations. Uh, I support the mutual mutual aid for veteran Black Panther Party members. That's through Patreon. If you would go to Patreon.com/slash/slash mutual aid for veteran Black Panther Party members. You can uh, sign up for a pledge as little as $5 a month. The Malcolm X Memorial Foundation, Omaha, Nebraska. You can go to their website, www.malcolmxfoundation.org, and you can contribute to their organization there. Black Power Medium, excuse me, blackpowermedia.org. 
Black Power Media. That's where I listen to I Mix What I Like with Dr. Jared Paul. And they have the Remix Morning Show that is going on. Uh, starts at 7 a.m. to uh, 9 a.m. Uh, give them a shout out. Monday through Friday, you'll either get I Mix What I Like on Monday and Friday, and then Tuesday through Thursday, you get the Remix Morning Show. Check them out. And you can contribute to their media format uh, by donating uh, $5 a month. And last but not least, the Kansas City chapter of the National Black United Front. Again, you can go to their Facebook uh, facebook.com slash mbuffkc and you can uh, it'll take you to uh, get you in touch you hit an email there and they'll get you in touch also if you're not at www.therightauthority.com to hear this podcast that is where you can hear all of my podcasts uh, please help me support these organizations and the work that I am doing. If you would like, buy a brother a cup of coffee. All proceeds that I receive will be split between the organizations I listed above. Again, please go to www.therightauthority.com. Buy a brother a cup of coffee. Keep in mind that all the donations will go to the four groups that I mentioned and the support for my work. I want to thank everybody for tuning in to the Right Authority Podcast. We will see you in one week. This is the KCOG. I'm out of here. Have a great night, everybody.